Welcome to the SMC 2022 podcast. 2,000 years ago, Jesus gave an invitation that changed the world. Come, follow me. Today, we have the same invitation. What's up, guys? My name is Dave Edwards, and I work for Stumo at the University of Arizona. Before I got to Tucson, I went to the University of Arkansas. I was a Lambda Chi, and I will be until I die. Razorback Nation, where are we at? We are finally back. I'm so glad to be able to say that. It's been a long time coming. Hey, I grew up in Texas, lived in Oklahoma for a little bit of my life as well. And so I'll tell you what, I'm thrilled to get to spend a little bit of time with you today. I am married to the incredible Val Edwards. She was a Cayo at the University of Arkansas. She had an incredible impact, not just on the Cayo house there, but actually on the FIMU house as well. We've been married for four years. We've had a ton of fun together. But in November of 2021, our lives changed forever. We had been at the hospital for over 24 hours. We'd been praying. We had been waiting. We had been trusting God to do something big. And then finally, after 19 hours of labor, we got to hear the words that we had been waiting for. Mr. and Mrs. Edwards, would you like to meet your baby boy? Oh man, what a moment. David Carter Edwards was born at eight pounds, six ounces. And I got to tell you what, I love being a dad so much. It is, it's one of the coolest things that's ever happened to me. I'm so excited about being a dad. I'm the type of guy who tells everyone that's just what I do. If I'm excited about it, I'm telling you about it. And so I walk into Home Depot, I get lost within, you know, 30 seconds of being there. I ask for help. This guy is directing me to where I need to go. What am I doing? I'm pulling out my phone. I'm showing him, you know, my 3,000 pictures of my kid, and he does not care, but I'm still showing him. I pull up to Canes, and what do they say? What's kicking? It's a great day for chicken. How can I help you? I place my order. I pull up to the window. I pull out my phone, and I'm showing him pictures of my kid. They're like, cool. Wow. Cash or card? We don't care. <laughs> pay, pay, pay for your food and get lost. I don't care if people are not interested about my kid. I'm going to tell them about him because I'm so excited to be a dad. I'm that type of person, okay? If I'm excited about something, I'm going to tell you about it. And yet, when it comes to my faith, man, every single time, if I'm about to talk about Jesus, I get a little bit nervous. Like anytime I have the opportunity to share my faith with somebody, it's like it's inevitable. I'm just a little bit nervous. And my guess is that at some point in time, you felt the exact same way. Well, if you're listening with us today, I want you to know that I want to help you. I want to help you have faith on offense. And my guess is that you want that. You're a go-getter. You, you love God. You love people. And you want the people in your life to experience the joy of knowing God, the peace of knowing that their sins are forgiven and you want them to have that purpose that only comes from following Jesus. Maybe that's not you. Maybe you're new to faith. Maybe you just started following Jesus and you're like, hey, this is a pretty awesome thing. I feel like I need to talk to people about this, but I, I don't really know. I'm just, I'm just kind of feeling this out a little bit. Maybe that's not you. Maybe you've been following Jesus for a long, long time, but having faith on offense is really something that, you know, it hasn't been there in your life but you want to grow. Wherever you are in your faith, I'm thankful that you're spending some time with me now. I want you to know I'm going to do my very best to give you everything I've got to help you walk away from our time together ready to have faith 
on offense. When I think about offense, I think about Steph Curry. This man is unstoppable. Like you give him the ball and and the other team can double team him, triple team him, foul him. It doesn't matter. He is going to score points. He's unstoppable. Question, how does someone get that good at offense? Well, in my opinion, whether it's offense with our faith or offense with a basketball, the biggest factor to becoming that good, to becoming unstoppable, is whether or not you've got the right habits. What do I mean by habits? I mean the day in, day out choices and actions that determine how we live. Our habits will make or break our ability to have faith on offense. My hope is that as you listen to this, you grasp the idea that having faith on offense is not just something that you do in college. It's not just something you do in your 20s and 30s. Having faith on offense. And by by the way, what I mean by that is, is being someone who shares their faith and makes disciples. That is something that we do for our entire lives. We have the honor of getting to be men and women who make disciples until Jesus calls us home. Whether you're not, Whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, The truth is every follower of Jesus can become a courageous witness for him, but you got to have the right habits. Today, I'm going to share five habits to help you have faith on offense. Let's jump into our first habit. If I want to have faith on offense, I need to be someone who builds friendships with non-Christians. That's habit number one, build friendships with non-Christians. Question. If Jesus came to your college town and spent a week there, where do you think he would hang out? If he came to Arizona, I I have a pretty good idea of where he'd be. I think he'd be playing basketball at Fiji. I think he'd have brunch and hang out at Front Lawn Friday with the Pikes. I think he'd be working out at Sigep's prison gym in their courtyard. They've got this random assortment of dumbbells and, and European weights and, you know, just heavy items that they pick up and lift and and. Uh, I think Jesus would be there. I think he would be spending time among the lost. Why do I think that? Because in Mark chapter 2, Jesus goes to the house of a tax collector named Levi for dinner. And verse 15 tells us that while Jesus is having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. Jesus spent time with people who were far from God. He wasn't just around those people. He was building relationships with them. And in the same way, if we want to have faith on offense, we need to seek out and build friendships with people who don't know him. So how do we do that? I'm going to give you some ideas. But first, I want to give you a chance to discuss that with someone near you. What are some ways that you can start building friendships with non-Christians? Go ahead and hit pause and discuss that with someone next to you. Okay, let me share a few ideas with you. Here's the first idea. Eat together. That's exactly what we see Jesus doing in the Bible. He's eating meals with non-believers. At the U of A, University of Arizona, a bunch of our students for the last few years, they've had this awesome tradition where they all go to church together and then they come back to one person's house. They all throw in, you know, two or three dollars for brunch 
They all buy a bunch of bacon and eggs, cinnamon rolls, pancakes, waffles, whatever you want. They cook a huge meal and they just have as many lost friends over as they can fit in the house and they just hang out. They, they eat food, they get to know each other. And what's so cool about that is that there, there are non-believers who come to that brunch and they walk away thinking, man, these Christians, like, they're pretty cool. I thought they were, you know, I thought Christians were weird like four hours ago, but Man, after hanging out with these with these believers, these Christians, and eating a meal with them, I actually like these guys. I want to be around them. If you want to build friendships with non-Christians, eat together. Here's the second idea. Serve. Give rides to your friends to the store. I know people in your town probably go to Whole Foods, Target, Walmart, Trader Joe's, whatever it is. Hey, be that person who offers other people a ride. Be generous with your vehicle. How about this? Cook meals for them or even clean Clean your apartment, clean your house, clean your dorm room, clean uh, the, the fraternity house alongside the pledges. View yourself as a pledge. Serve others. Why? Mark 10, 45, Jesus says, For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Serving others is a great way to build friendships with them. And here's our last one. Sweat together, men. How do we build friendships with each other? It's usually not face-to-face, you know, across from each other at a coffee table or a coffee shop. It's side-by-side. It's working out. It's hiking. It's playing sports together. It's it's hitting golf balls. Find ways to get active with non-believers, whether it's, like I said, working out or, or, or hiking or golf or whatever. Build friendships. Ladies, take your friends to an Orange Theory class. Jump on that rower and pull that thing until you pass out cold. I don't care what it is. Find a way to be active. Go to go to go to a spin class together. Go to hot yoga. Go to bar a or bar. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what they call it. I've never been. Okay. Take one of your friends out to a workout class and sweat together. That's a great way to build a friendship with someone who doesn't know Jesus. If I want to have faith on offense. I need to consistently be someone who cultivates friendships with people who don't know Jesus. That's our first habit. Let's get to our second habit. If I want to have faith on offense, I need to initiate spiritual conversations. Listen to Luke 19.10. Jesus says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus seeks out the lost. He is the ultimate initiator. He moves towards people who need him. And as his followers, we need to follow his example. You know, Jesus didn't come to earth and and do amazing things and then sit around waiting for someone to walk up and be like, hey, bro, are, are you by chance like the son of God, king of kings, prince of peace, lord of lords, savior of the world, here to die for my sins so that I can be forgiven and know God? Oh, you are? That's so cool. Can I follow you? That's not what Jesus did at all. He invited people to follow him. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He said, repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus was the initiator. And guess what? Jesus commands us to be initiators. John 20, 21, Jesus says to his disciples, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, even so I am sending you. In Luke chapters 9 and 10, Jesus, Jesus gathers up his disciples, gets them into pairs of two, and he sends them out to do what? To preach the gospel to the surrounding towns. How about this? Mark 16, 
15. It couldn't be any more clear. Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Jesus calls us to be the initiators. Now, some of you might be like, I don't know, man. I, I kind of feel like I need to keep my faith to myself. I don't know if I, if I can do that. Let me share some truth with you, okay? If you're a follower of Jesus, the Bible says that you have become sons and daughters of the Almighty God. You have the right as God's children to initiate spiritual conversations. So how do we do that? It's so simple. We ask questions. That's it. We ask questions. What questions do we ask? I ask questions like this. Hey, what's your family like? Did you grow up with a faith? What are the most important things in your life? What do you think about Jesus? Hey, are you interested in growing closer to God in college? I ask questions and then I listen. I make eye contact. I nod my head as as people are talking. And I even follow up with this question. Let's say someone tells me uh, something about his family. I'll say, hey, tell me more about you and your brother. Hey, tell me more about that high school experience that you had with faith. That shows that I was listening and I'm genuinely interested. I want to hear more about them. Tell me more about this, that, or the other. We ask questions and we listen. I want to give you another chance to discuss with someone next to you. Talk about this question. What other questions can you ask to begin spiritual conversation? Go ahead and hit pause, discuss, and then come back with me. At this point, we've built friendships, we've initiated spiritual conversation, now what? Here's our third habit, share God's word. One of the most common speed bumps I see in evangelism is people just not being sure what to talk about. You've probably asked this question, what do I share next? Let me ease the tension for you a little bit. Share God's word. Share God's word. God's word is sufficient for sharing your faith. God's word is sufficient. Everything someone could ever need to know to become a follower of Jesus and live as his disciple can be found in God's word. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. 2 Timothy 3.16 is one of my favorites. It says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. If you want to help your friends grow closer to God, share God's word. Why? Because God's word is sufficient. As you're building friendships, as you're asking spiritual questions, have some stories and verses that you're ready to read and discuss with your friends. Which ones? Good question. I love sharing stories about Jesus, and here's why. He's the one who will save my lost friends, so I want to help them get to know him. What are some stories that I share? I share uh, the story of the rich young ruler. It's about a young man who values his possessions more than God. That gets the guys thinking, what do I value most? And I even ask them that, hey, what do you value more than God? What's a step that you can take to start to value God more? I share the parable of the the four soils. 
Okay, it talks about four different places that someone's heart could be when it comes to God. And I just ask, hey, which soil are you and what steps can you take to become the good soil? I love sharing Ephesians 2 verses 1 through 10. If you've got a friend who thinks that being right with God and getting into heaven is all about being a good person, take them to Ephesians 2 verses 1 through 10 and read those verses together. It is a powerful, powerful passage. I love sharing Romans 6.23. I've shared Romans 6.23 more than anything else. Uh, I, I will share it with guys and then share Rich Young Ruler, Parable of the, of the Soils, Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10, and then I'll come back to Romans 6.23 kind of like as a, as a spiritual heat check to see where are you, man? Are you ready to receive this gift of eternal life? Are you ready to receive Jesus? Question for you. What stories from the Bible would you like to start sharing with your friends? You can go ahead and hit pause and discuss that with someone next to you. Okay, let me give you one more option. This is a great idea that I'm even trying to apply myself. If you're not sure what to share with your friends, Go to church on Sunday and take notes. Think about what your pastor talked about and write down your key takeaway. And then for the rest of the week, when you're with your friends that you want to share God's word with, show them the passage of scripture that your pastor talked about and then j just say this, hey, this is my main takeaway. What do you think about these verses? What do you think about this story? That, number one, honors your pastor because those guys put in so much hard work to prepare sermons every single week. Think about that. Like, that would be really hard. And second, it's going to help you remember what your pastor talked about. Write down your key takeaway and share those verses with your friends. When you're sharing your faith with other people, it can be so easy to swerve into philosophy and politics and physics and, and whatever else. But at the end of the day, above all else, here's what I want you to remember. Share God's word because God's word is sufficient. If we want to have faith on offense, we share God's word. Okay, I want you to stop and and just imagine you've done these, these three habits. Okay, you've put in the effort to build a friendship with a non-believer. You've started spiritual conversation. You've shared God's word. And all of a sudden, you start to notice that their heart is starting to hunger for more. And then the moment comes you get a little bit nervous. Your stomach is rolling. It feels like you're about to get on the biggest roller coaster of your life. Your palms are sweaty. You know what you ought to do, but you're nervous. Man, should I, should I really do it? You wonder if you should ask the question and then you decide to go for it. You do our fourth habit. You invite them to follow Jesus. And it sounds something like this. You ask them, you say, hey, in light of what we just read and the things we've talked about, would you like to make the decision right now to follow Jesus? There's a pause. He's thinking about it. She's thinking about it. This is a life-altering, eternity-changing decision, and he's thinking about it. And then you hear the words you never thought you'd hear. Yeah, I do. I, I want to follow Jesus. October 7th, 2014 was the day my life changed forever. I was a pledge in Lambda Chi at Arkansas. 
I was at a low point in life. I had been looking for life in things that would never satisfy me. I was frustrated. I was beaten down. I was broken. And a senior in my fraternity named Aaron texted me one day. He said, Dave, want to hang out and talk about some spiritual stuff? Wasn't the smoothest text message ever, but guess what? I said, yes, Aaron, let's hang out. He had built a friendship with me. He initiated spiritual conversation with me. He shared God's word. And then he asked me that that question I just mentioned. He said, Dave, do you want to follow Jesus? I said, Aaron, 100% chance I'm in. Yes, I want to follow Jesus. That changed my life forever because that day I received Christ. He saved me. He allowed me to become a son of God. And that day I knew that no matter what, I was going to be in heaven. I was a 19-year-old college student when that happened. I am a 26-year-old husband and father. It's been seven years since that day. And every single day in my life has continued to change for the better because Aaron had the courage to ask me if I wanted to follow Jesus. That's our fourth habit. We invite people to follow Jesus. How do we do that? It's crazy simple, guys. Like if you're inviting someone to come with you to the gym, what do you say? Hey, do you want to come to the gym with me? If you're inviting someone to follow Jesus, what do you say? Hey, do you want to follow Jesus with me? There's not a perfect way to ask the question. What matters is that we ask the question. If you read the Gospels, if you read the book of Acts, you see believers over and over again inviting people to follow Jesus When you get back home, when you get back to campus, try it out. Invite people to follow Jesus. You might hear no, and that's okay. You also might hear yes. If someone tells you, hey, I'm not ready to follow Jesus yet, that's okay. I've heard on average it takes people seven times of hearing the gospel before they're ready to follow Jesus. If I hear someone say no, I'm like, hey, that's all right. Man, I've really enjoyed reading the Bible with you and talking about it. Can we keep doing that together? I've been at Arizona for four years. I've asked a ton of guys that exact question after they've said no to following Jesus. And every time they're like, dude, yeah, I'm down. Let's keep reading the Bible together. I'm in. Invite them to keep reading the Bible with you. Invite them to keep coming to church with you. Invite them to come to Stumo night with you or to come with you to Kaleo. Whatever it is, ask someone a follow-up question of some kind to keep the ball rolling. Our fourth habit is that we invite people to follow Jesus. It leads us right into our fifth and final habit. If we want to have faith on offense, we follow up faithfully. Discuss this question with someone next to you. How many times did you hear about Jesus before you made the decision to follow him? Hit pause and discuss together. Here's what I want to know. Did anybody listening to this right now become a follower of Jesus literally the very first time they heard his name? My guess is that most of you heard about him quite a few times before you were like, hey, you know what? I'm ready. I'm all in. That's exactly what I'm talking about. If we want to have faith on offense, we need to recognize that sharing our faith is not a one-time conversation. It's a process. Why? Because People take time to make big decisions, to process big information like this. 
Think about some of your friends from campus. Some of them are way far away from God. Some of them are sprinting as fast as they can away from God, and others are right on the edge of making the decision to follow Jesus. Many of our friends are somewhere in between. Think of it like this. My freshman year up in Syracuse, New York, I had a a teammate on the lacrosse team who he had one goal, okay? Here was his goal freshman year. He had a Costco-sized pretzel container. This plastic container was huge. It It would hold like three months worth of pretzels. And his one goal freshman year was to fill up the entire container with dip spit. Every single day, all day long, he was spitting into this container. And yeah, it was gross. It was disgusting. By the end of the first semester, he was probably two-thirds of the way there. And so he leaves it there over winter break. We come back, and this thing is fermented. It is disgusting. Every single time he opens it, the stink just kind of goes out all over the dorm. But he sticks with it. He keeps spitting in it. And then April rolls around. It starts to get a little bit warmer. And I remember one day I walk into our dorm building and I just get punched straight in the nostrils with the most disgusting smell I have ever smelled in my life. The dip spit container had fallen over. It spilled out everywhere. Like the smell of dip spit burned into my nostrils. I still smell dip spit. It's been years and years. This was the most disgusting smell I've ever smelled in my life. This guy thought he had it under control. He thought everything was okay. And then one day the jar tipped over and spilled out everywhere. A lot of your friends, the first time that they hear about Jesus, they think they've got their life under control. They've got their sin It's the dip spit. It's in the jar. They think they've got it in the jar. They think they've got it contained. And then one day, the jar spills over. And the brokenness and the destruction that is caused by sin that they were trying to contain in the jar, it spills out into their life, and they hit a low point. That's where I was when I was a pledge in Lambda Chi. And then somebody who you is there continuing to share God's word with them, continuing to invite them to follow Jesus. Why? Because you're following up faithfully. And in that moment, they recognize that they are not in control of their lives. They cannot keep their sin contained. In fact, what they need above all else is a savior and a Lord named Jesus Christ. Follow up faithfully. Why do we follow up? What can be easy to hear Someone say, hey, I'm not ready to follow Jesus. And in that moment, it could be easy to think, man, they're not interested. It's time to move on. I just want to pause for one second. And I want you to think about that one person who has the, who is it that's had the biggest impact on your faith? I want you to think about the patience that they had. I want to think about how I want you to think about how faithful they were to follow up with you, to continue to love you and to reach out to you, even after you said no, even after maybe you ghosted them and just didn't show up. How thankful are you today that they didn't just quit? How thankful are you today that they followed up faithfully? In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus looks at the crowd. His heart is filled with compassion. Why? Because the Bible says that they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. When you look at the crowd around you in the airport, on campus, in your class, they're harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. 
He looks at his disciples and he says, the harvest is plentiful. When you're walking through campus, the harvest is plentiful. And after you graduate, when you're walking through life, guess what? The harvest is plentiful. The harvest of lost people who do not know Jesus and who desperately need him is plentiful. And then Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, but the laborers are few. Guess what? You are the laborers. You're the ones who Jesus calls to love and serve the lost. You're the ones who Jesus calls to courageously share your faith, share God's word, invite people to follow him and follow up faithfully. You are the ones who are the laborers who will reach the lost. I want to share some ways with you that you can follow up faithfully. Before I do that, take a minute and discuss this question. I want you to just remember for a minute how someone else followed up with you. So here's my question for you. What are some of the ways that someone faithfully followed up with you? Go ahead and discuss that and we'll come back together. All right, let me give you three ways that you can follow up faithfully. First, start with prayer. And I wish I had said more about this, but here's the deal. We should be praying constantly, daily, all day long for the lost people in our lives. Here's what I pray for. I pray for spiritual hunger. I pray that God's spirit would draw people toward Jesus. And I pray that God would cause my lost friends to become unsatisfied with the sin that they're living for. Start with prayer. Second, stay in the word. I know, guys, it can be so easy to share God's word with someone, hear them say, I'm not ready to follow Jesus yet, and think, oh man, I need to find something better. There is nothing more powerful that you can share than God's word. So stay in the word. And third, strive for community. We start with prayer, we stay in the word, and we strive for community. I want my lost friends to become best friends with my Christian friends. I want them to see the joy and the peace that my Christians have that they don't have yet because they're lost. I I want my lost friends to recognize, you know what? There's something different about these Christians. What they have is better than what I have. Strive for community. Bring your lost friends to game nights. Bring your lost friends to Stumo, to church, to your Bible studies to come work out with the boys, whatever it is, strive for community. If we want to have faith on offense, we must follow up faithfully. As we finish, I want to give you a moment to reflect, discuss, and think about some next steps. So here's what I want you to think about and discuss this with someone next to you. Two questions for you, okay? Here's the first one. Which one of these habits do you need to grow in the most? Here's the second question. Who will help you grow on campus? I want you to think about who that person will be. And if you're not with them, I want you to just shoot them a text and say, hey, could you help me grow to have faith on offense when we're back on campus? Hit pause and discuss those two questions. When Steph Curry showed up to the NBA, 
Nobody really noticed. He was undersized. He was unimpressive. He had a good shot. Okay, we can give him that. But he wasn't scaring people like he does today. You know what he did? He built the right habits, and he stuck with it for the long haul. Now, when Steph walks up in the building, his opponents look at him. They go, Mama, there goes that man again. He's a bad, bad man. He's about to drop 40 points on us, Mama. Look, here's the deal. I want to be that kind of Christian. I want to be the kind of Christian who, when I walk into a room, if there are lost people there, I want my enemy, Satan, to look at me and know that it's about to go down. I'm about to reach somebody with the gospel. I'm about to reach somebody and ask them to follow Jesus. I want my enemy to know that until Jesus calls me home, I'm going to be here playing offense for Jesus. I want you to become that kind of Christian. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to commit to grow for the long haul. This is not something just for college or for your 20s or your early 30s. I want you to commit to grow in these five habits until Jesus calls you home. I want you to find a mentor, and I want you to find a team as well. Following Jesus, it's a team sport. So find a mentor, find a team, build these habits, and you will have faith on offense. Thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with me today. I'm so thankful for you guys. God bless you. I'm praying for you. Hey, if you want to find some more great content, make sure to check out the other breakouts on the SMC 2022 podcast.